Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you on the screen. You that I see your faces smiling and that uh, I'm sure there's smiling faces in back of the uh, folks I can't see. But it's good we can join together and uh, come and draw near to the Lord. So how about we stretch first? Uh, you can stretch, use that to worship the Lord, whichever way you want to go. It might do you both uh, good to do both things. <clears throat> the important thing, though, is let's take a minute. And let's pray. And let's be open uh, to what God might want to say to us individually in Numbers 28. So let's, let's seek the Lord. Lord, we, we thank you for a, a new morning. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are in every home uh, where this broadcast is going out. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be with each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we read, as we study Numbers 28, that uh, Father, through your spirit, you would just kind of highlight to each of us that part of Numbers 28, that you're really trying to speak to us individually and that you're trying to drive home. So, Lord, we're, we're expecting you to speak to us, and we thank you again uh, for your presence with each one. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's do Numbers 28. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be careful to present my offering, my food for my offerings by fire, of a soothing aroma to me at their appointed time. You shall say to them, This is the offering by fire which you shall offer to the Lord, two male lambs, one year old, without defect, as a continual burnt offering every day. You shall offer the one lamb in the morning. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight. Also a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with a fourth of a hin of beaten oil. It is a continual burnt offering, which was ordained in Mount Sinai as a soothing aroma and offering by fire to the Lord. Then the libation with it shall be a fourth of a hin for each lamb. In the holy place, you shall pour out a libation of strong drink to the Lord. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight as a grain offering of the morning. And as its libation, you shall offer it an offering by fire, a soothing aroma to the Lord. Now he talks about the Sabbath offerings. Nine. Then on the Sabbath day, two male lambs, one year old, without defect, Two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and its libation. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation. Then he goes into uh, the month's offering, 11. Then at the beginning of each of your months, you shall present a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls and one ram. Seven male lambs, one year old, without defect, and three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering, mixed with oil, for each bull. 
and two tenths of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil for the one ram, and a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering for each lamb, for a burnt offering of a soothing aroma, an offering by fire to the Lord. And their libations shall be half a hen of wine for a bull, and a third of a hen for a ram, and a fourth of a hen for a lamb. This is the burnt offering of each month throughout the months of the year. And one male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. It shall be offered with its libation in addition to the continual burnt offering. Then the Passover, uh, Passover offering, uh, verse 16. Then on the 14th day of the first month shall be the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of this month shall be a feast of unleavened bread, which shall be eaten for seven days. The first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. You shall present an offering by fire, a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls and one ram, seven male lambs, one year old, having them without defect. And for their grain offering, you shall offer fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah for a bull and two tenths for the ram. A tenth of an ephah you shall offer for each of the seven lambs. And one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. You shall present these besides the burnt offering of the morning, which is for a continual burnt offering. After this manner, you shall present daily for seven days the food of the offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. It shall be presented with its libation in addition to the continual burnt offering. And on the seventh day, you shall have a holy competition. You shall do no laborious work. And then the last offering uh, is the uh, first fruits. That's on 26. Also on the day of the first fruits, when you present a new grain offering to the Lord in your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. You shall offer a burnt offering for a soothing aroma to the Lord. Two young bulls, one ram, seven male lambs, one year old, and the grain offering, fine flour mixed with oil, three tenths of an ephah for each bull, two tenths for the one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, one male goat to make atonement for you. Besides the continual burnt offering and its grain offering, you shall present them with their libations, and they shall be without defect. Okay, let's try to see what this says to us. So we're talking about all kinds of sacrifices here. And God designed these sacrifices in the Old Testament uh, to be a means, in a sense, to link the people of Israel and to join them to himself. They, they were that, that kind of connector, you might say, between a holy God and the people that were called to follow him. And basically he lays out here uh, what the Lord, and it's just not something that uh, Moses dreams up out of the blue. This is given by God, as you see 21, uh, 28, one, then the Lord spoke to Moses. So God gives to Moses these five different types of offerings. So we see in verses one to eight, there's the daily offerings that happened every single day. 
uh, verses 9 uh, to 15, uh, the specific offerings that were given on the Sabbath to them, okay, that would have been on Saturday. And then uh, from there, we see also the monthly offerings. Uh, that's verses 11 to 15 that happened one time a month. And then two special offerings, uh, seasonal, uh, the Passover offering, and that's verses 16 to 25. And the last uh, is the Feast of Weeks. Uh, that's verse 26 to 31. So if you kind of look at that at first, you kind of like say, wow, okay. Some, some of these, quite honestly, uh, these chapters can be a little bit overwhelming. And you look at them and say, okay, uh, that seems to make sense to them, but I don't live this far back. And what does this really mean to me, okay, in 2023? And there is some things you have to dig a bit. And as I was talking to Pastor Nick, um, many times we kind of do some of the homework and present that here on the soaps. But if you really want to be able to uh, do some of this yourself, which you can do, you know, you don't have to be a pastor to pull this off. Um, you can get study Bibles. And many times study Bibles will give you some of the the culture of the day or the history of the day. Uh, there's different commentaries uh, that you can get for different books of the Bible. Uh, and I think each of us here in the subs in the morning have to do some research. Um, we just don't pick up uh, Numbers 28 and say, okay, I got it. Uh, we have to dig a bit and try to understand the context in which these things were written. So uh, we're going to jump in. Uh, the first one is the daily offering. And you can see that, verse 2, I command the sons of Israel and say to them, you shall be careful to present my offerings, my food for my offerings, by fire for a soothing aroma to me at their appointed time. And he says here, this first specific offering uh, is the daily one. And you shall say to them, this is the offering by fire which you shall offer to the Lord, two male lambs, one year old, without defect, as a continual burnt offering. And so he's talking about these lambs and you don't just bring any old lamb uh, that's defective. You've got to bring a lamb that is no defects within it because again, why would you give God something defective? You give God the best of your herd. So there's going to be <clears throat> two lambs offered here. Uh, and it says here, you shall offer the one lamb in the morning. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight. So there's two lambs that are being offered. And then with them, he talks about a grain offering uh, that's going to be given at each of those times. He says in verse six, it's a continual burnt offering, which was ordained in Mount Sinai. So if you just want to jot down, I'm not going to go into it, but God first gave this to the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 29, verses 38 to 46. This is where God originally gave this instruction to Moses. So, okay. So what's this really mean? It says a burnt offering. Okay. A burnt offering meant the entire animal was consumed. It literally went up into smoke. It was totally burnt up. Uh, and that happened, we're told, in the morning and in the evening. So if you look at how this is interpreted, 
uh, and you look at the overview of the entire Bible, the burnt offering, in a sense, represents the fact of being fully surrendered. The, the animal is fully burnt up. It was fully consumed. And it's, in a sense, a symbol, a picture that our life is to be fully consumed, fully dedicated, fully surrendered, and yielded up to God. That's really important. In other words, we're called, as Christians and the Jews back then, we're called to give God everything, to hold nothing back. To hold nothing back. Uh, it's basically being able to give him the entire day, all day, every day. Uh, it's being able to uh, just give him our entire life. So in other words, when we wake up, and it might be a little slow for some of us uh, at six o'clock in the morning to be fully there, but ideally when we wake up, we present the day to the Lord. We say, Lord, this is not my day. I'm not going to push my agenda. I'm not going to try to tell you what to do. Lord, here is my life. I yield it to you. This is your day, and I will seek to follow you as you would guide me and lead me through this day. So it's giving the day to him. Uh, for some of you that go to work, it would be, Lord, okay, I'm going to work. And Lord, use me. If you want to be able to use me and somehow to make a difference in somebody's life today, I'm available. And, uh, and I think many times we need to realize we're a minister at all times, 24-7. So it's not like we just put on our ministry hat when we go to church or when we lead a connect group. Even when we're in the secular world, we still are a, a minister and a representative and an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So we're saying, if we're working, Lord, here's my day. Here's my ministry at work. Lord, I'm available. You want me to say something to somebody? You want me to pray something? Lord, I am at your disposal. If you don't work and you're, let's say you're a housewife, that day is still the Lord's and we offer it back to him whether we're at work or whether we're at home, whether we're playing or whether we're doing chores, it doesn't matter. The entire day and all that we do is the Lord's and being able to give it to him. So the question I guess I have to ask me and, and, and you is how are we doing on that? How are we doing on that? If we're really honest with ourselves, have I really surrendered my life fully? Is it, a, is it a burnt offering to the Lord? Meaning, Lord, you have every bit of me. And Lord, I'm not holding on to this piece and this piece of my life. No, no, Lord, you, you have every single part of me. I am yours, you're mine. So I, I think that's a good question to ask. <clears throat> How are we doing in regards to surrendering? And if we find that the, we're hesitant, well, Lord, I, I don't know about that area. I'm not quite ready. Like, a, why? What's blocking us? What's stopping us from letting go and letting God have full charge and direction of our lives? So that burnt offering really represents a complete yieldedness of our life to the Lord and Savior that we love and serve. But also, uh, that burnt offering is not just uh, the idea of surrender. It also 
was a, a means of fellowship between God and the Israelites and between us and our God. So we have the privilege of fellowship. And folks, that fellowship is not just on a Sunday morning <clears throat> when we gather at EHT or whether we gather at Cumberland or we're online. That fellowship is not just when we would lead or attend a connect group on a given day in the week. <clears throat> fellowship uh, really is an all-day opportunity to stay in touch uh, with our maker and to basically bring him into the everyday of our lives. Um, so often people divide their life into the sacred and the secular. So we're doing the sacred now. Okay, you know, we pick up the Bible, we do our devotions. Now we hit the world and we lose God. I mean, we start with the day with the Lord, but then we lose him all day long because, you know, that's the secular part. And then we close with a, a time of prayer. But it's like we've lost the Lord throughout the day. So really, um, I think the best way to look at it is, yeah, we need a devotional time. But in a real sense, please hear me on this. I think this is important. Our entire life is to be a devotion. Okay? Our entire life. There's not, here's the secular, here's the sacred. No, every moment of every day, irregardless of what we do, is a sacred opportunity to fellowship with the Lord. A man that did that amazingly is Brother Lawrence. Uh, he was a Catholic priest uh, way, way back, centuries ago. And he made it his aim that all day he wanted to stay in touch with the Lord. <clears throat> and all day long, he would have this conversation. And God began to be so real to him that I love what he said. He said that I was as close to the Lord when I was cleaning pots and pans in the kitchen as I was when I was taking Holy Communion. For him, the entire day was a sacred occasion. <clears throat> and we can do that too. I think all day long, we can talk to the Lord, build an intimacy. Because I think, you know, you think about intimacy with another person. God's a person. The only difference is I can see you on the screen. I can't see God. I can't touch him but he's still a person. So how do you get intimate with a person? You've got to give them time. And you can do that all day long, all day long. You can say, Lord, we're going to walk today together. We're going to talk together. So the whole day you're interacting with the Lord, not just in the morning when you wake up and when you go to bed. And intimacy comes from time, but it also comes by a dialogue of intimate feelings. In other words, we can tell the Lord all day long what's going on in our lives. Tell him how we feel. We can tell them when we're happy. We can tell them when we're sad. We can tell them when we're frustrated. It's, it's not a nice flowery prayer in King James English. It's being honest. Read the Psalms and you'll get an answer uh, of what intimacy looks like. It's being honest, pouring your heart out to the Lord throughout the day. And then also listening to him. Uh, so often, many times in prayer, we have our, our list. Okay, Lord. Uh, would you please do this? Boom, do, 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 do. Would you do this for me? Lord, would you touch da, 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 and I hey, see you later. And we never listen. Uh, and I think many times God wants something to say to us. And that may come as we're reading a soap uh, on our, our own study at home. It could come throughout the day uh, where God just may want to say something to you. And we want to have an open ear all day long. Lord, if you want to say something, 
get through to me through a Bible, through a person, through a circumstance. So this burnt offering is kind of cool. Uh, it represents a continual everyday surrender of my life to the Lord and walking with him and talking with him through the entire day. Okay, that is the burnt offering because it represents a vital relationship with the Lord uh, that starts when we wake up and it goes through the entire day. So the next one is the Sabbath offering. That's verse nine. Then on the seventh day, two male lambs, one year old without defect, two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with the oil as a grain offering and its libation. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath in addition to the continual burnt offering. So <clears throat> on the Sabbath, you have the, the continual burnt offering, but then you add also two more lambs that are sacrificed uh, to the lamb, to the Lord. So the Sabbath uh, is not to be treated lightly. Okay, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, if you look at Exodus 20, verse 8, uh, the Lord said very clearly, I want you to set the Sabbath apart. It's a holy day. <clears throat> excuse me, a holy day that you can put away, in a sense, your secular duties, your distractions, your work, your sweat, your effort, your struggle, whatever, and place, just settle down, rest, enter my rest. And we that's tough for us. I mean, we are a society. We're rolling. Move, move, move. Go here. I mean, just go look at traffic. Everybody, man, there many times people just, they're on your tail. They're, they're going by you. It's a fast-paced world. And I wonder really in our society, how many people really know how to slow down? Instead of running through life, it's taking some time in a sense to slow down and smell the roses. Just appreciate life. I think the Lord said that, hey, look, he knew life would be hectic and there would be responsibilities and chores, but he said, one day a week, one day a week, I want you to put the brakes on and I want you to slow down. I want you to take time and worship me. I want you to take time to be able to rejuvenate spiritually and mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, and you know what? God knows what he's doing. And if the Lord said, keep the Sabbath, and I think <clears throat> that, 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 that didn't just go away when we entered the New Testament. In a sense, if you look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 3 and 4, we're to live in a state of rest. So in a sense, for a Christian, Every day should be a Sabbath because we're not struggling to live the Christian life. We're letting the Lord live his life through us, through the Holy Spirit. So it's not a strain that I got to be a good Christian. It's more resting that Jesus in me will live his life through me as I trust him and as I yield my life to him. But nevertheless, I guarantee you, if you take a day and say, Lord, this is your day, and I'm putting the brakes on, and I'm not going to keep running and revving my engine. I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to enjoy you, and I'm going to enjoy my family, and I'm just going to enjoy some time just to rest, 
recuperate and study the Bible maybe a little bit more to go take a walk, whatever, uh, it will make a difference. That's all I can tell you. Uh, it will make a difference. It's kind of not quite, I guess, is um, hitting me in retirement because I have more time than I, I uh, had when I was working. But when I was working, it was really essential to take one day and say, I've got to, I've got to stop all the rigmarole and all the other things that were going around in my brain. I need to recharge the battery. Uh, and I, I'm just going to lay it out there to you folks. Are you keeping the Sabbath? And I don't mean keep it legalistically that if you don't do it, God's going to send some kind of lightning bolt and zap you. But I'm saying God gave the Sabbath for your good and for my good. He knew that we need time to slow down. He knew that we need time to recharge the batteries. And I would just challenge you and, and think about it and pray about it. Are you keeping a Sabbath? Are you setting a day apart? For most of us, <clears throat> that might be a Sunday. For others, it may be a Saturday. Maybe somebody has to work on the weekend. Well, maybe then you set apart a Monday or a Wednesday. I don't know. But I would really challenge you to think about, am I taking that day and just setting it apart for the Lord? And, and you know, Pastor Brennan, I, I believe, sets an amazing example. He's got a absolutely nutty, crazy schedule. He is a very busy man, but he takes that day. And by the way, he catches the staff working on the Sabbath, and that's not a good picture. He's told them, you will not work. Basically, they have Friday off many times a good part of Saturday. But sometimes he's caught somebody in the building <clears throat> riding by on a Friday. He'll, he'll come in and say, what you doing? <laughs> Why are you here? Uh, so he's really a big component of that. Uh, and he's doing that because he's looking at the Bible and say, hey, my staff needs it. And not only do the staff need it, not only does he need it, everybody on the screen needs time to refuel. So there was the Sabbath offering. Now, uh, if you look at 11, uh, there's also the monthly offering, and you can read that through 11 through 15. Uh, and there's, there's some debate at scars like, what is this about? And, and the monthly offering has something to do with the moon, okay? There's a cycle of the moon on a monthly, and there's many different uh, thoughts on what that can mean. The one that makes most sense to me is that the moon is connected with the seasons. So the monthly offering could well be that the Lord is saying, I want you to give every season to me. The spring, the summer, the fall, the winter. And you might unpack that a little bit in the sense of even your age, okay? The spring, we're young, we're growing up, we're maturing teenagers, young adults. In the summer, I don't know, some of us are in the, in the summer. Maybe let's say call that, I don't know, 25 to 40, whatever, something like that. The fall could be maybe the 40 uh, to 60, 70, whatever. And then <clears throat> the winter could be, I don't know, I guess I'm a little bit in winter at this point. What, 73? <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, so there's the winter, uh, the old age. So, but every age is to be dedicated to the Lord. Okay. Whether we're young, 
middle-aged, older, all are given to the Lord. The seasonal thing could also look at, somebody said, it could also represent your spiritual walk, that the springtime is when God's doing kind of brand new things in your life. The summer could be when God kind of brings those new things and they begin to blossom and they begin to go forth. Uh, the, the fall could be when there's just a continual growth in our lives. And the winter, well, that could be the tough times, okay? The struggles, and probably the biggest struggle any of us are going to face is the fact that Sunday we're going to have to die. So if you're looking at it from a, a spiritual perspective, I guess I'd ask you, what, what season are you in from a spiritual perspective? Are you in a springtime? Are things beginning to be a new thing? Are you, are you in uh, a summer where, man, that things are moving full speed ahead? Uh, are you in the fall where you're just kind of seeing new things and growing, you know, kind of exponentially a little bit at a time? Are you in a winter season? You know, is there a real struggle and a hard time in your life? And if you're in a winter season, here's my question. What's God trying to say to you? What's the message? I don't think there's any accidents. God is sovereign. He's on his throne. And I think if he allows whatever season in your life, he's got some kind of purpose. So whatever season you're in, particularly if you're in a winter season here and you're struggling and there, it's, it's hard and like it feels dark. To say, Lord, what are you trying to do? And by the way, if you're in a winter season, hang in, because eventually God will turn a winter and bring a springtime out of it. It's amazing how God does that. We don't stay stuck usually in a season, hopefully, but God moves us from one season to the other to the other. So that's the, the monthly offering. And then if you pick up at verse 16, <clears throat> you're seeing the, the Passover, okay? Uh, and I think we know that uh, that's found. And I'm just looking at my my clock here. So I think what I'm going to do is instead of giving you reading it all, I'm just going to tell you where to look. If you want to see the Passover, it's in Exodus 12, 1 to 7, and pretty much uh, verse 12 to 14. Passover, uh, if you remember, um, the Egyptians were given the Israelites a hard time. God said, let my people go. Pharaoh wouldn't do it. And God says, well, guess what? I'm going to knock at your door. I'm going to send a plague and a plague and a plague. And hopefully you're going to get it and let my people go. <clears throat> and Pharaoh hardened his heart over and over and over again. Eventually God said, well, I guess I really got to get your attention. I'm going to take the firstborn of every Egyptian. And I'm going to say, just send an angel of death. And that firstborn is going to die. But God said to the Israelites, through Moses, get all your people inside, slay an animal, a lamb, put the blood on your door, and stay inside so that when the angel death goes throughout Egypt, when the angel sees this blood over the door, it's going to pass over you. But there's tremendous symbolism there. So the symbol there is it was a lamb's blood that protected the Israelites and kept them safe. That's Old Testament. But the New Testament uh, is that lamb, that little lamb that goes ba, 
was actually Jesus. That Old Testament Passover pointed to the new. Listen to this. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming to him for baptism, he said this in John 1.29. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's pretty cool. Uh, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7, that Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. 1 Peter 1, 19, it says, Jesus, as a lamb without blemish, and he was without spot. And if you look at Hebrews 9 and 10, you'll see many more references to Jesus as this sacrifice that had to pour out his very lifeblood to put our broken lives back together again. Uh, there's two scriptures that plug into this. Uh, if you look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 and 9, it says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> Much more than having now been, here it is, justified how? By his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. How are we saved? It says, by his blood. Just like the lamb in the Old Testament protected the Israelites, so Jesus is the lamb that protects us in the new. And in Colossians chapter 1, and verse 19, it says this, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Christ, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace. How did God make peace? Through the blood of his cross. So Passover is all about a lamb that saved the day for the Israelites, and Passover for the Christian. He's all about Good Friday, and that's coming just around the bend here in the beginning of April. Uh, I think it would be a really positive thing for us to ponder as we move forward to that day to, to, to think more and more about what did Jesus do on the cross? What did he accomplish? To think of the suffering and the pain that he went through for you and I like a big magnet to just pull to himself the sin of the entire world, your sin, my sin, and anybody's sin that had ever been born. So the Passover definitely points to Jesus, who's the Lamb of God, who takes away your sin and mine. And by any chance of somebody just tuning in out of the blue, if you've never opened your life to the Lord and accepted it in that he is the lamb that died for you to deal with your guilt and my guilt, your sin and mine. If we've never made that commitment, it'd be a great opportunity today to just say, Lord, here's my life. You take it. It's yours. We talked about in the beginning. Surrender. Let go, Lord. It is your life. I'm here for you. As you're looking at the, uh, the Passover, as we're beginning to wrap up here, there's one other little thing that uh, happened after Passover. It's not actually listed here, but it's the Feast of Unleavened Bread for 14 days. And what the Israelites did is they had to clean their house. There would be no leaven, could not be there. And you wonder, well, what's, what's the big deal? What's leaven? What's, what's that a problem? But leaven, for you folks that cook, which I obviously do not do very well, but for you that know how to cook well, 
When you put leaven in something, it ferments the bread. It causes things to rise. And in the Bible, leaven is never spoken of positively. It's always seen as a form of sin because sin has a way of just taking over, multiplying, and destroying lives. Uh, so basically, uh, with that, uh, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 7 and 8, it says this, clean out the old leaven that you may be a new lump just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So basically, it's saying, get rid of the leaven in our lives. Get rid of anything in us that's getting in the way of our relationship with the Lord. So I guess I'll throw that out to you and to me. Is there anything that you're aware of that the Holy Spirit's been kind of working with you in your conscience saying, hey, this needs to be dealt with. It needs, it needs to go. Or maybe God's not dealing with something that needs to go. Maybe he's saying you need to add something. But a great prayer and, you know, we just started Ash Wednesday the other week, the beginning of Lent. And Lent always is that time, in a sense, of allowing God to search us. Lord, is there is there leaven in my life? Lord, is there sin? Is there something that you want to deal with? And a great prayer, I think, that um, is a radical prayer. It, it, it'll, it'll, it'll rattle your life a bit because it, it, God has a way of kind of removing stuff if we're willing to let him. But uh, here's a prayer. In Psalm 139, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. That's a heavy-duty prayer. Lord, if there's anything hurtful, if there's anything sinful, if there's anything in my life that's messing up the works, Lord, would you please show it to me? Because I don't want to dilly-dally with sin. I want to be able to deal with it because, in a sense, it's slowing my walk down with you. And the last sacrifice uh, in Numbers 28 is verse 26 on. It's the, the, uh, the first fruits offering. So beginning to wrap that up, first fruits offering is uh, found actually in Leviticus 23, 9 to 14. And the first fruit offering, in a sense, is a dedication. When the crops come in, it's giving God that first part of the crops and saying, Lord, thank you. You're providing for my needs. It's almost like a form of tithing. Lord, thank you. I want to give this up to you because you blessed me. Uh, and it says here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 20, it says, but now uh, Christ Jesus is risen from the dead. And he's become the first fruits of them that slept. So, in a sense, there is a spiritual significance of this Old Testament feast. Uh, Christ is the first fruits. In other words, he was crucified, he's dead, but he's resurrected. He's the first fruits. And the devil, I think, was saying, Man, I got him. I got him on the cross. Satan's having a, a great party down there with all hell. We knocked off the Messiah. It's done. It's over. But he had a major shock because three days later on Easter, Jesus was raised from the dead. 
And I believe that was a shocker to Satan. But probably even maybe a bigger shocker is this. Little did Satan know that Jesus would be resurrected, but little did he know that Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, could actually come and live in Christians. So it was a nightmare to the devil when he realized that people could be born again. And now, not only did he have to fight Jesus, but he had to fight the Jesus that's within the church worldwide. So it says Jesus is the first fruits, the first one resurrected from the dead. And we're also, if we follow the Lord and give our life to him, we also are going to know a resurrection someday uh, and being able to celebrate eternity with the Lord in heaven. And first fruits, I think, also can mean one other thing. It's bringing other people to Christ, bringing them and offering them to the Lord. Like, Lord, help me to go out in society and proclaim your word. Last scripture here in John chapter 4, 35. Jesus said this to the disciples, and he could say it to us. Do not say, there are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields, for they are already white and ripe for the harvest. And I think the Lord could be saying like that. Lift up your eyes. Look out at society. There's people that are ready to make a commitment to Christ. If only you would share the good news with them, that they could hear it, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word that we speak. God is at work, folks. There are fruits that are being brought in. If you've seen about the Asbury revival in Kentucky, God is breaking loose. I was talking to a great friend the other day, and he was telling me that uh, he's big into social media, that there is a revival not only in Kentucky, it's now spreading through college campuses here, but also what's happening in Kentucky, they're seeing is happening in Europe, Asia, Africa, and South America simultaneously. So could God, in a sense, be saying, before the very end, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh, and that there'll be one last great revival that's going to rock the world. And I believe when that hits is when Satan says, this is bad stuff, and he's going to try to send the Antichrist to shut it down. But friends, God is at work in amazing ways. And as somebody said, what God did in Asbury, uh, in Kentucky, why can't he do that right here in EHT in Cumberland County? Why can't he do it all throughout New Jersey and the United States? How much we need it. So let's close and let's pray for that. Lord, we just want to thank you for these feasts. <clears throat> Lord, these sacrifices that uh, we see in Numbers 28, but we know, Lord, they have spiritual significance to us today in 2023. So Lord, we pray our life would be a continual burnt offering to you, a continual surrender of our lives. Lord, we pray that you would allow us to fellowship with you, Lord, in every part of our lives, in the springtime, Lord, uh, in the summer, in the fall, even in the winter times when we go through the ringers, Lord. Through it all, help us to remember you, Lord, as the great Passover lamb who takes away the sin of our world. And Father, we pray, Lord, that there's leaven in our life, stuff that really needs to be cleaned out, Lord, that you would search us and try us uh, and help us, Lord, to deal with an obstruction between you. We just pray opportunity to go out in society and share this great news uh, that lives can be changed if they're only willing 
to come to you. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing and may your revival, Lord, that's hitting in our nation, may it hit our lives. May the revival start with us and have a ripple effect on the people we work with, the people we live with, on our neighbors, our neighborhood, that you may be glorified and that you indeed may be honored. And we pray it and we ask it in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, folks. Be a blessing to the world. Amen.